Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. He is the dean of those that cover the Colts around here from CBS 4 and Fox 59. He is Mike Chappell. Somebody, Mike, said this to me yesterday. Over under on 50% turnover with the roster from 2022 to 2023. I thought that was a large number. But then when I got to thinking about it, it is going to be, I think, a large turnover. And I think we're going to be surprised by some of those names. What do you think? I I would still say I'd take the under as far as the turnover, simply because you're talking this is still a, a young team in a lot of spots. So I think they retain a lot of, a lot of the bulk of the team. You know, we may, we may see changes, you know, and we will uh, of, of maybe veteran guys or, or, or more name things, but boy, over 50%, that's, that's, a, that, I think that's too high just because of the, the 53 you're talking about. There's still so many young players on this team. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like a large number to me, but there are probably going to be some surprises. You expect some larger names presently on this Colts team to be a bit of a surprise. I'll start there. And, and one of the free agents that was kind of playing for his future here has been Yannick Ngakwe, who has had some moments, but to me, not nearly enough. Is that the type of free agent, one-year guy you expect the Colts to move on from? Probably. I think at the end of the year, we it's, it's funny when we get to this part of a season that's going nowhere. We spend so much time in the press room, you know, the guys with with the Athletic and ESPN and Star and and George Brimmer from Anderson and and all these guys. We just sort there's nothing else to talk about other than what's going to happen and who might be back, who might not be back, and yeah, I. I you're looking in Gakwe and say he's going to end up the season with 11 or 12 sacks. You're going to say, really? Really? So, yeah, I, I would like to have had more consistent play from him, I think. Although, you know, it's, uh, uh, Joel Erickson at the Star pointed it out yesterday, and I, and I had to check because I didn't believe him. This team, in all likelihood, breaks the franchise record for most sacks in a season. They've got 43, and the record, I think, is 46. And I, I, I said, no, you're wrong. I, 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 he's right. And do you get the impression that this, this pass rush has been at that level? I, I haven't. So, yeah, they, they need to bring in more of a – and they will. And, and with the way – with the other things that they have to fix, quarterback, which may not cost very much money, left tackle, which unless they think Ryman's a guy – I think if you had to target free agents in the off season, boy, let, you know, here we go again, pass rusher, and you and I can get our can get our train going, receiver, you know, receiver, 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 receiver. Uh, but yeah, I, it's it, it, you know, some of those uh, with with you know, Paris Campbell's a free agent, so you know, it, it's just hard to know how 
Ballard will look at this roster and have the new coach coming in. Whoever, maybe it's Jeff. I don't know. But there are there are decisions to be made. You know, Bobby Okereke. There's there's decisions to be made on who's coming back and and how or or can you get better at that position? Hey Mike, I hey. kind of view Ngakwe's production this year uh, to me comparable to the double-digit sack season of Eric Walden. Yet it wasn't from that. It was almost, and this is such a jerk description from me, but it was kind of like he was just there and there they were. You know, it wasn't like a huge difference maker. It wasn't like something you felt that other offenses were planning for. It was almost like that guys were filtered to him at that point in time when he got double-digit sacks. And it just kind of felt like, it was very underwhelming in a similar sense to Ngakwe this year. Well, I, 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 if you compared him to Justin Houston's first season, I think Justin had 12 or 13 sacks, I think. And I thought he, he's pretty good. I thought he, he's pretty good his first year. Second year, not so much. So I, I think that I'd like to have had more from him. I really do. You know, and you, you can break it down and, he had, he had one at the end of the first half, I think, in, in Denver when it didn't mean a whole lot. And there was another one like that in another game. So I just think overall he, he's been okay. But I just think you would, you wanted more. And, and, and again, but, but, again, he's part of a defensive line and a defense that's had 43 sacks. It's one of the top numbers in the league. Which, again, if you step back and said, from, from those of us who've watched this defense play, and I think overall – this defense has played its ass off. It has. You know, yeah, there's been a couple of games, Minnesota and a few few of the games where they've not. But th- this has been a playoff caliber defense. Not Super Bowl caliber, but a playoff caliber. And the offense has just cut its legs off. But in Gakwe, I think they'd like to have had more. And I just – I thought if he had the year that we all hoped he would have – that he would be one of their priorities to resign, and I just don't think that's going to be the case. So Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Let's stay with the defense for a moment, too. Um, I think Gus Bradley's been fine. I think Gus Bradley, I think most people would probably be cool with him coming back. Now, this all comes down to who is going to be the next head coach. Is there any at all in prioritizing in that, or has he just done a good enough job to say, well, you know, whatever happens, we'll bring somebody else if it's a new coach. How do do you feel about the possibility of Bradley being back, even beyond the fact that we know it's going to come down to who's the next head coach in that decision? Well, in a vacuum, I'd take this defense back intact with a a couple of, you know, improvements, upgrades, whether that's within Gawkway back or someone someone else. Because, again, I, 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 I can't blame this season on the defense. I can blame a couple of spots on it. But if you get a normal offense, and this has been an abnormal offense, if you give them a normal, a normal offense where you're scoring, I don't know, 23, 24, 27 occasionally, then it's more than good enough. And I don't mean that as a backhanded compliment. It's good enough. So I'd take, the, I'd take this group back intact. Now, it's all, it's all on the new coach. Uh, if it's Jeff Saturday, I would – Think he would want Bradley back? I don't know. I mean, but but this isn't his defense either. So maybe if he's the guy, he he wants his guys. 
But if it's a new head coach, boy, generally they want their own staff. They just do. Uh, and if there's a new coach, boy, all bets are off in my mind on on, on some players because, doggone, you've got to have – the coach has to have input. And I'm not saying final input. That's what the GM's supposed to have. But if there's a new coach, he has to have some input on his team. And that includes, and that includes, no, it really includes the coaching staff. I, I just can't see the owner or the GM, you know, telling the new coach, "Yeah, you're our coach, but these are these. This is your coaching staff." That doesn't work. So if they go a different direction as head coach, to me, all bets are off on the coaching staff because that guy. Now maybe that guy wants Gus Bradley and he wants these guys back, but that new coach is going to want his guys. What are the odds Kenny Moore is still with the team next year? Boy, good question. Uh, I don't know. Uh, 50-50. I don't know. I, I've not looked into how much they save. I don't think I don't think his contract by cutting him is going to be that onerous. I, I, I don't. So, uh, 50-50. And, and he might be one of the bigger names that's not – you know, Ryan Kelly, people have thrown Ryan Kelly's name out. I, it, it, one thing, and we've talked about this to, to where people are tired of hearing it, but, you know, it, it's easy to get rid of these guys. It, it is. You can get rid of you can get rid of more than half the team, but then you replace them. You know, well, we've got Danny Pinner can be the center. Well, you know, Danny Pinner wasn't very good at guard. Now, he's probably a natural center, but going from Ryan Kelly to Danny Pinner, when when – you know, this offensive line regressed so much this year. You know, that's going to be the number one thing. For, I don't care who the coach is, whether it's Jeff Saturday or whoever. They've got to get this offensive line fixed. And, and you know, yes, yes, quarterback, you know, that's number one, obviously. But but uh, until you get the offensive line fixed, keep, keep in mind that this defensive line has played so poorly for much of the season, and it's not been because of injury. They've not started like 10 groups because of injuries. These guys have, by and large, been healthy. Uh, I, think, I think the line's starting to play better. You know, it's a little, it's a little late now to, to impact the season, obviously. But, you know, they, they've got to get this fixed. And, you know, anyone who wants to throw Ryan Kelly out, you, bet, you darn sure better have somebody ready to take his place that is better. And, you know, I think Ryan's one of those guys that, for whatever reason, didn't play real well early. I think he's he's playing better now. Uh, so, you know, do, do, you, do you just take the approach that, boy, it, it, this year was an aberration and these guys will be better next year? You know, Bernard Ryman, I think he's, I think he's really showing you signs that, that maybe he's the guy. But that's a maybe. You know, you go into the next training camp or offseason – and you can say he's our projected starter, but doggone, has has some competition to where to where you're they're really pushing each other at left tackle and at right guard, which they didn't do this year. So, you know, yes, they've got to get quarterback straightened out, and I'll do that in the draft. But boy, you've got to get this offensive line back to where it's not one of the worst in the league, where it's a, it's at least one you can depend on to run block for Taylor and to give whoever the quarterback is a little bit of time to, to play the position. Hey, Mike, somebody pointed out um, Shaquille Leonard's Twitter account or social media and something about dropping some Colts stuff and 
you know, liking a tweet that has him being traded. And I kind of view that as Shaquille Leonard just responding to folks that believe he needs to be traded or he should be traded. I didn't view that as a, uh, I guess, a piece of dissension in the ranks. So I guess I'll ask you this. Have you heard, have you been told of any dissension in the ranks within that locker room that Jeff Saturday's had to tackle or Jeff Saturday discovered or that has evolved since Jeff Saturday has taken over? I've heard there's been some discipline issues that he's addressed uh, internally, and I can't really mention them because I because of who who told me and all this. But there have been some to where some discipline was getting laxed, and he sort of had to crack the whip. And you know whether that's a, a reflection that that on how Frank ran things, or the fact that players at this season's kind of unraveling so they just didn't care late, as much late late for meetings type of stuff is that what you heard because yeah. that's what i did yes. meetings yeah. and, and, and other late for other things yes and i heard he really cracked the whip on it and and you have to you boy you you know it, it, it's 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 just not asking too much to be remember tom coughlin's thing where if you're five minutes early for a meeting you're 10 minutes late I mean, it's not that bad, but but if you've got a meeting at eleven o'clock, it's all gone. Be in your seat by you know two minutes early. Don't be walking in the door at at eleven o'clock or eleven o one for crying out loud. I I don't care who you are. That's just a bad. It's a bad look. If I'm supposed to be somewhere at noon, I'm there. I'm sitting in my seat waiting for the other person to show up. Just if nothing else, guys. It's just common courtesy. But it, but if it's your job. How hard is it to be on time? I mean, really. So, yeah, I, I think there was some of that. And how bad it was, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't believe the inmate for running the asylum. I don't think it was that. But if you have if you have issues with people being late for meetings, it's just a crack that especially, especially a team that's 4-10-1. You just can't have. It's just such a bad look, and it says something about a player. I think when you're when you can't make yourself be on time. That's how hard is. Unless you're stuck in traffic on four sixty five, how hard is it to be on time? Really. You know, in Mike Chapel of CBS four and Fox fifty nine is with us. So, so this, I was also told this that this sort of stuff happened under Reich's watch, and he let it slide. But I will say this. It seems like everything in the world that's going wrong with this team right now has been conveniently, and maybe it's accurately, but conveniently blamed on Frank Reich as if all this is going to go away with a new direction right now. And I do question that a little bit. I'm not suggesting that it didn't happen, but that's what I was told. It's funny how if you're winning – which they've not won since, you know, the, the, the third of the last game last year. If you're winning, maybe, maybe you do, maybe you don't make a big deal out of it. I think at some level it's still a big deal because, like I said, you can't be on time for crying out loud. But when you're losing, it, it tells you something. And I agree with you. I th- this is this is so reminiscent of last year when everything was Carson Wentz's fault. Everything, and now all of a sudden it's Frank, and and we've seen that this Frank wasn't 
Frank might might not have had the answers to what was going on because I, I'm not talking being late. I'm talking for the team. But to think he to think he was the reason they were what was he when they left three five and one, and yeah, the New England game was god awful. And I might have fired everybody if I was a man or the the, the owner after that game. But yeah, I don't I don't like this this trend where. Well, Frank, and you know, well, you know, Frank, and you know, Frank let these guys, you know, whatever. And I'm not real keen on that because there's enough blame to go around from the owner to the general manager to the head coach, certainly to the players. Let's not turn Frank into this this buffoon. Who 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 ruined ruined the franchise? That's not that's not the case. Uh, he he was dealt a bad hand with all the changes at quarterback. And yes, yes, Carson Wentz was on him. That that Carson Wentz being here was on Frank. Let's not we're not going to absolve him with that. But yeah, I'm not crazy on all of a sudden that. This season went in the dumpster because of Frank. I, I just don't like that. So Mike Chappell joining us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So, you know my opinion on this. Six years is enough. Six I years know. going into a seventh year, to me, that should be reserved for guys like John Snyder that have had past success. And even if he had a bad season here or there, I mean, you're making a transition from the Russell Wilson era and it's not incredibly discombobulated. You're kind of doing that as smoothly as possible. But for Chris Ballard to be awarded a seventh and then certainly logically an eighth year out of what has been accomplished by him here, right now to me makes zero sense. Does it at all make sense to you? Can you justify it as easily as I can discredit it? Oh, I can justify it, but not as strong. <laughs> Not as strongly as you. If we were on a stage debate, you'd win. <laughs> you'd win. Uh, I yeah. I only because the areas that they've fallen short on are the most important areas on the team. And, and the bottom line, and the bottom line, the, the losing record and the, the two playoffs and one playoff win and haven't won the division since 2014 for crying out loud. Yeah, I I, I get it. I get it. And all I can say is from my talks with Jim Irsay is he believes in and he trusts Chris Ballard. He does. And you can you can argue your points and anyone who says you're off base, they're wrong. But they're – now, again, keep one thing in mind. Keep one thing in mind and is, is the owner can change his mind. And, and you know, let, let's say these two, these last two games simply go off the rails. And although I, I don't know what that's got to, do, I don't know how how whatever happens in the last two games would mean anything to the general manager. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I hear where you're coming from, and you're right. You're right that with Chris Ballard being back, and he'll he'll have a big hand in the quarterback who's going to be probably not ready to play because very few of them are. So if, if, they, are, if they are married to, to Chris Ballard for, for next year, well, it's also going to be for probably the next year. Yeah. Because you know, you, yeah. because you know, you know 
we've talked about it. If, if fans are sick about this season, next season is going to be tough too, just just because of the quarterback situation. And but that, that's where we are. And, and and you can argue strongly. I can argue the other way, not nearly as strongly. But the owner does what he's going to do. And and I'm I'm now that that seems to be out of the way. I, I'm really interested in what he does with the head coach and how the head coach and Chris Bowder oh. mesh because if they don't mesh, it doesn't matter. Here's the thing, and this hopefully this may be the final thing for you. I may realize I need to ask you one more <laughs> question here before I let you go. But I think because of this decision with either the trust, I don't think it's the monetary factor, but I brought that up, or the fact that Jim feels, and I'm sure maybe he would feel that with any general manager, and that now he can easily intervene and, you know, overrule what the general manager would like to do with the team that he has been hired to put together. Anyway, I think this puts even more pressure on this coaching hire to be a home run. Thus, to me, the only thing right now, and, and maybe – Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you know, a guy like Ken Dorsey, maybe it's Eric Bieniemy. Maybe they, these guys could bring you know, this fan base and you know, this organization quicker back together too. But I think the only guy out there that unifies this fan base and really everybody right now, if you're going to continue down the, the path with Chris Ballard, is Jim Harbaugh. That is the only guy. I mean, it's not going to be Sean Payton. I'm sure he would, but it's not going to be him. But the only thing that could possibly have any legs – as a possibility, again, is that of of Jim Harbaugh. And I think that's the only thing that is the great unifier. And really, I think you're going to have to have a coaching decision that's going to be at that level because so many people are going to be put off about a year seven of something that just hasn't taken shape and, in fact, has failed mightily with the Colts and Chris Ballard in mind. I've not followed uh, the, the, the press conferences leading up to the football playoffs with Michigan, but won't he be asked his interest in going yeah. to the NFL? At- and he'll lie. He'll up. lie. They all lie. Well, they, listen, yeah, they, they, they have to lie even more now because of the transfer portal, because yeah. of the NIL and all that. You're, you're not going to get a shred of truth out of anybody well, anymore. Gonna, you're gonna so get, You're, you're going to get right now I'm committed to, to Michigan. Well, right, right now. Right on. Well, what about, what about tomorrow? What about when, when right. you – So – the only question I would have is, is how would how would Chris Ballard and, and, and Jim Harbaugh coexist? Would there be a power struggle? Could they get along? That, that's why we talked about Tony Dungy and Bill Foley and two really different personalities worked. How, how will how will a coach coming in here who wants some control work with a general manager who I would think wants control? But, so that, but, but, but hasn't that. had it. Clearly hasn't well, had it. So I would think well, he's he, used to he, it by now. He has until the last year. Uh, you know, but, and again, that's one thing. If I'm Chris Ballard, you know, I, I'm not going to get – if I'm Chris, I'm not going in the, the owner's office and, and give an ultimatum. Either you give me, give me back my, more of my power or else. You, don't, you never give an or else to somebody unless you're willing to take – the or the or else, but if I'm Chris, I would really like I would really like some assurance from the owner that that he that, that the GM can make 
the, the big calls, unless, unless it just takes, unless the owner feels that it's such an egregious thing that the owner steps in. But to have a general manager, to have the owner, you know, go, 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 you know, not, not really go with what you want to do. And there have been three or four things that have gone on, like the big ones, that's not primarily been Chris's decision. It, that's why it, it's, just, it's just awkward. It's just awkward. And, and that's why I say, again, that whoever the coach is, he and the GM just have to have, to have some understanding and agreement and, and be able to work together. We've seen how, what happens if they don't. And I just think that that's really important, and we'll see how that works, whether that's Jeff Saturday. Jim Harbaugh, I kind of don't think it is. But it's got to be somebody that, that the GM is comfortable with, had, had a major hand in in selecting, and it's just not a guy that the owner said, this is who we're going with. Then, then you're just asking for more trouble. I think Jim has screwed Jeff Saturday for the timing of the hire and what Jeff's been covered up with now to a point where I sit here and I can tell you, regardless of, of this comes down to Jim's decision, so he doesn't give a crap what I think or you think or anybody else thinks about this, but in the court of public opinion, there's no way in the world that you can hire Jeff Saturday after this, to me. I don't know how you, I don't know how you have a press conference and when the question is, and why did, what, what went into your decision, I, I don't know how. I'm a great BSer. I really am. And I'm not sure how I would handle that. I really don't. But again, he, he was put in a position. He was put in a position where they, where he wasn't going to really succeed because it was broken. Yes. Uh, now, and again, you're talking about the greatest collapse in, in league history and 33 points at, at, at Dallas on your, on your resume. And yeah, I agree with you, but the owner's going to do what the owner's going to do. Yep, that's the uh, that's the left field throw right there that we'll yep. all be watching because he is absolutely going to do what uh, he's going to do. I, I just, I, to me, nobody's going to look at this as a deal whatsoever unless if you go move forward with Chris Ballard, people are going to go, "You got to be kidding me!" Unless it's Jim Harbaugh, and for the whole connection, the relatability of either one. I don't think that really matters at this point because clearly Chris has been overruled so much this season to where I think that's something that you probably have moved past a little bit. You may not like it, and I'm sure he doesn't, yeah, but maybe yeah. to keep that gig, you got to move past it. I don't know. Those are just some thoughts, but, yeah, it's all it's all going to not matter because it's going to come down to what Jim ultimately wants. We know that. It, uh, it does. And I, I would hope, again, that the GM has a, a very, has very strong input on who the head coach is. I really do. Yeah, so we need more input right there. I, I hate to be like that. I sound like a jackass, too. I don't want to be that way um, because I don't have an axe to grind in this, and I certainly don't want to get personal about it. But I don't know, Mike, just how else to look at the results. And the results so matter, and this place is in disarray right now. And it is. It's under his watch for the past six years. I don't know how you get past it. I don't. Well, the, the thing you're sitting, you know, if you're the fan base, you're sitting here now and you, you don't see – You've got no reason to look forward and say it's going to get better because, well, you know, maybe by by May you're going to have a new head coach and at least you're going to have a quarterback 
taken in the draft where you can say, you know, this guy could be the guy. And until you have that guy who can be the guy, you've yeah. got no reason to really hope. So maybe that guy, even though it's going to be a tough year next year, and unless they bring in the veteran guy to, to be the latest bridge, but at least you've got the young quarterback to say, you know, you know, it's not Trevor Lawrence for crying out loud, but this guy can be good. He can, he can take us to decent levels. But until that guy, until you know who that guy is, you just there's no reason to have a lot of optimism because it's hard to have optimism in the end. No, well, you get the fifth pick in the draft. But so what? Who, who is that? And until you have who that is, it's just hard to be optimistic. It really is. Mike, thank you for all you've done once again this year. We'll fire back up next week in the year 2023 and do it all over again. But a happy new year. About, we can talk yeah. about Colts, Texans. Oh, boy. <laughs> happy new year to you in Beach Grove. We'll talk at you next week. You too. Happy new year. Be well. Andy Moore on the Motive Group Hotline from the Indianapolis Star. He covers the Pacers. Dustin DePurak, he joins us. All right, I explain these games here coming up. Atlanta the other night and then win. Tonight versus Cleveland. And then that matinee on Saturday afternoon against the Clippers. This is an opportunity to find and to open up a lot more eyes to your product that has played surprisingly to most well. And... And to really kind of get past, Dustin, just your hardcore fans like us that we watch on a nightly basis, but to open the eyes, I thought like they did against Atlanta the other night, to some that go, oh, wait a minute, I didn't know this team was that good. I didn't know this team was that talented. I think tonight and certainly on Saturday, that opportunity at Gambridge Fieldhouse for the Pacers is there. Yeah, no, absolutely. These games are really, I think, helpful. I mean, obviously, it's it's Christmas break for a lot of people. You know, college kids are back in town, stuff like that. People have some time off, uh, have some opportunity to go to these games. And, you know, obviously, the cold season is coming to an end. And no one's altogether excited about that, about where things are going there. Uh, you know, IU's got a break, uh, a particularly long one from the 23rd to the 5th. So, I mean, they are... Uh, I, th- I think if you're an Indiana sports fan, basically the Pacers, uh, you know, have kind of the limelight for a while. Uh, and, the, and the Hawks game, I think, was was pretty important. I think it was really helpful. I think they they went into that road trip, uh, you know, starting at Boston, you know, after having scuffled a little bit, having dropped a couple, you know, having blown a big lead against Cleveland, uh, lost, I think, a winnable game against the Knicks. They went out, they beat Boston, Boston, Miami. Those were pretty helpful. Obviously, it doesn't end well with the, the New Orleans blowout. Uh, but I, I think Atlanta was really one of their most um, – Solid top to bottom performances. They had real issues closing out games, uh, but I thought really did a good job of putting a game away. I think that's the first time I could say that really, like when they, they went into the fourth quarter with a lead uh, against a team that could that was good enough to take it away from them, and make made sure they did just played solid basketball down the stretch so that they could throw in uh, you know their their back bench subs at the end and, and kind of cruise. And then again, you just hadn't seen a lot of comfortable uh, wins for them. Even their victories had been tight ones. They had to hold on for dear life. Even Boston, you know, I mean. The bottom was falling out. If, if that game's another three or four minutes long, they lose, you know, and, and lose significantly. But they were really steady against Atlanta. So then, obviously, you got some. Uh, I, I think, you know, obviously Cleveland is, is you know, a, a top four team in the East. Clippers are top four team in the West. I mean, those are really big time games. If they, could, if they could get some wins, they absolutely could. I, I think uh, grab a little bit more. Um, 
you know, of, of the imagination of, of, of Indi- Indianapolis fans. I think Tyrese Halbert Halbert even said it, you know, this time of year, you know, end of December, beginning of January is really when you, when he's basically everybody kind of decides where you're going to be uh, and, and makes a lot of decisions. Your fans make your decisions whether they're going to care about you uh, for the rest of the year. Your, your management makes some decisions about whether or not they're going to trade people or give people up or if they're going to go for it. Um, and so I, I think it, it is, I think, really important stretch. They get a bunch of home games, not only these next three, but they get Portland and Charlotte coming back. Uh, a couple, uh, you know, it, you know, 13th and 14th, they got Atlanta, Memphis. They're home a lot uh, for this stretch, so it is really, I think, a, an important time for them to really, you know, again, grab some of the fan, potential fan base. Dustin Depurak of the Star covers the Pacers. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. And, and you're right against Atlanta. You know, they they closed out and and you know made it a a non-issue of sweating things out down the stretch. But how do you end up? trying to get out of the rut they're in right now in the way that they start games because it's game after game where they start they start from behind they did that again against Atlanta the other night what's the issue in your opinion what do they think the issue is with game starts for them you know I mean it's something they've been been talking about for a lot and I don't know that they've necessarily come up with an answer and, and and what's also funny though is every once in a while they'll have a good start and it'll be everything else that goes wrong I mean they they were up uh, 16 to six out of the gate against New Orleans and the bottom just absolutely fell out after that um, so, uh, you know, I think they are concerned about the starts and, and, and they need to put together 48 minute games. Um, but you know, there are, uh, for some reason, it, it just tends to happen with this group that, that it takes them a while. It, it, it takes a while for shots to fall down. It seems like it takes a while for them to get, uh, some flow within the offense. I mean, really generally their best play comes, you know, kind of in the second quarter. Uh, I think, you know, they'll, they'll usually get some good minutes from their second unit around that time. And then the, the, the starters tend to finish well, they tend to start thirds a lot better than they start first for some reason. I mean, clearly I think the uh, starting unit has been better. Um, but I mean, I think another thing that you're seeing is they'll have a bad initial first three or four minutes and then immediately rally. Um, so I mean, like, it's an issue, but it's not a major thing. I think, again, a lot of their best performances has been a situation where maybe they'll fall down 11 to six or, or they'll fall down, you know, 12 to four or something like that. And then it's after that kind of initial wave that, They'll, they'll have some of their best ball. Um, you know, like basically they're, they're, the first stint for the starters tends to be, tends to end really well if it doesn't start really well. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's just I, they, they haven't come up with a really good answer for that, but they do at least tend to see, you know, somewhere in, in the early going in the first, after maybe about four minutes, they usually kind of come together and say, guys, we're, we're messing up here, and they turn around. And that's, that, that's usually like kind of after maybe that first time out, but they're like, yeah, what what are we doing here? And then all of a sudden they'll they'll run off ten in a row. Um, so you know it, it's it's not a good thing, but it's certainly I, I, like ultimately first quarters really in the last month or so as a whole have been better, even if the first four minutes haven't been good. So that's the the pure of the start talking Pacers. Pacers Cavaliers coming up later on tonight. Nearly two weeks ago, the Pacers played to me arguably their best game against high caliber talent. And just didn't have enough against Donovan Mitchell down the stretch. Any way that you try to make up for that tonight, especially in terms of the way that you defend one of the better individual players in the NBA? Yeah, I think one thing, I talked to Aaron Neesmith at the end of that game, and, and he got that assignment a little bit down the stretch. It was more, I think Nemhard was on him more frequently. Um, but he just said, you know, like, I've got to be more physical there. As I, I've got to get up in him in a little bit more. I'm really disappointed, and I want that assignment back, uh, you know, was, was what he said to me at the end of that game. Um, and so I think you'll see that from, I, I think that Neesmith will certainly have learned his lesson. I imagine that he'll get 
um, that assignment for a period. You know, I'm sure he will get it for a period. I'm, I'm sure Nemhar will get it on, on some level. Uh, you know, I think those guys know they just got to get up in them. Now, I mean, obviously in this league, sometimes when a guy really wants to score on you, it doesn't matter. You could do everything right defensively, and he can just score on you because some of these guys are this this good. And no matter, you know, like even if it's them, those star players defending each other, uh, they're better on offense than they are on defense. And they just the guys, you know, find a way to score the basketball in this league. But I bet Mike. My guess is particularly when Neesmith's on him, but I, I imagine them hard too. They will just make a point of trying to be more physical, just make him work for it. And they really made him, made him work for it for a lot of the first half, uh, really the second half, and really the for, fourth quarter he just went nuts. And it just he, he was just having one of those periods where, you know, he was getting to the lane and throwing stuff up backwards over his head and it was going in. He was hitting every three he could get. Um, he was magnificent in that game, and I, I don't know that there's a lot they really could have done to make a difference, but the, the point is to try to make it uncomfortable at as much as humanly possible. And I think that's what you'll see is, is those guys just trying to get up in and make sure they've got bodies around them, make sure that, that you know help and rotations and all that is, is working out so there's always bodies on them and, and just trying to be as physical with them as they can. But, I mean, he's Donovan Mitchell. He'll probably still end up with 25 to 30, even if they do. Why in the world, in terms of Buddy Heald, would anybody believe that the Pacers should trade him? I mean, just a great shot maker. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what the NBA is. And really, that's what everything is in basketball right now. Why in the world could you justify wanting to trade him at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think, it, I mean, it certainly would have to be justified on the return. You know, you, would, you, you know like you said, Everybody could use him, and if you know, I, if if you are if you were looking at if you're the paces and you're saying you know it's probably gonna be two or three years before you're competitive again. If if if, if that's what you were thinking, and and when the season started, that might have been what you were thinking. I mean, I I think obviously he's more um, desirable for them to keep because it seems like they're not as far away. Um, it, but if you thought you were a far you know a far ways away, you only have two years with him. Um, you know, on his contract, and you might say, okay, well, you know, he's, he's taken $20 million. We can open up that cap space. If, like, he's, he's a useful asset that you can get somebody, you know, get somebody really good for him. If you, if you were to package him with Turner, then you can get a lot of assets if you put those two together for, a, you know, a contending team could really use guys like that. I mean, like, you know, you know I mean, here's a for instance, if the Lakers were competitive, my God, could they use Buddy Heald? I mean, they, they need shooters so bad on that team. It's disgusting, but the issue is they're not good enough to need them they're, they're not good enough to be close I mean like LeBron needs a shooter so bad it's it's just it's painful to watch some of the passes he throws that get gets wasted with bricks I mean if, if he's throwing those passes to Buddy Buddy's averaging 25 to 30 a night I mean it would just it would be incredible to see those two guys together and, and if the Lakers were willing to give up something real and immediate um, then you know the Pacers could obviously be, be helped by that but I mean the Lakers aren't close enough uh, to make that kind of deal so obviously it's just an issue of what kind of assets could you get back but he's extremely valuable, um, and you know he's a great shot maker. He he plays so well with Tyrese, and he fits with this group. I mean, I don't think he's a good clubhouse presence for everybody, but he's an interesting cat. You know, like he he doesn't fit in everywhere, but he fits in with this group. This group likes him. Rick really respects the heck out of him. You know, again, Tyrese is that it, he's Tyrese's big brother, and so like right now, like no, I, I don't see. Um, it, it, it would have to be a big return, and it would have to be an immediate return. You know, you would have to get guys that are capable of playing that are younger that you're going to have more you know more sort of contractual control over um you know you'd have to make the sell but i mean he's playing terrific basketball especially lately he's been very very efficient lately uh really good just really you know confident shooter is not the type that's going to go on crazy swings where he's you know one doesn't go in so it kind of affects the next one but he thinks every single one's going in
and you know, and he misses one, he don't care. He's take him, take the next one. He's fearless as far as that's concerned. And his fearlessness really, I think, helps this group. He's just he's not scared of anything, and so he's been around the league long enough. Nothing you know really bothers the guy. Um, so you know, it, it, he is he is a huge asset for the Pacers, and to move him, they would have to get uh, a, something very very significant. I think uh, logic-wise, it's incredibly silly. And sometimes mm-hmm. I understand the whole assets thing, but sometimes it absolutely wears me out with the assets. Sure. You have a shot maker. <laughs> um, you mm-hmm. lean on the shot maker you have under contract right now. Hey, i got to run really quick, but we, we knew that um, Tyrese Halliburton, according to Buddy Heal the other night, tore his spandex. He's questionable or was questionable for tonight's game uh, with torn spandex. What, what, what do you think is his outlook for this evening? Uh, I mean, it's a knee bruise, and he was still questionable on it. I mean, I, I think, you know, I'll just have to get to the arena and, and, and get a sense of, of, of what and, if, you know, see what Rick tells us. But, you know, uh, you got, you know, one thing on one hand, one thing on another. On one hand, Tyrese wants to play. Tyrese Halliburton really wants to play. He had a sore, you know, he, he's had sore groins and stuff and, and, and been sort of 50-50. If Tyrese has the opportunity to play, he will, unless somebody tells him it will be really, really stupid to do so. Now, knee, knee bruises can be tricky, and, you know, I think Andrew Nemhart missed a couple of days with one and once he got back he was he, he was a new guy uh and so it was like he, he played one one game with it you know wasn't effective at all took two games off and then that's that's when he beats uh you know uh i, I think the lakers i think he, he missed those two games and then he you know stuck the three in lebron's face so um you know knee bruises can be a little bit tricky and you know it's a thing that you can make it more painful and make your body just not work as well and maybe if you just take a day or two off you come back a new man and so i, I wouldn't be you know i could see it go either way Tyrese is going to want to play. It's going to be a question of just how the knee, re- the knee reacts. Obviously, he was able to play through it after he banged it in the first place, um, but we'll see uh, how that turns out. So, you know, I, I, we'll get a better sense when we get in the building and, and have an idea of what they're saying. But obviously, he's on the injury report, so it's significant enough to mention. You got it, Dustin. Enjoy the game coming up later on tonight. Have a great new year. We'll do it again in 2023. Sounds great. Thanks so much. You got Dustin DePurak of the Star covers the Pacers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline.